It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome on into the 52nd, aka the Najee Good or Najee Didn't episode of the Counterpoint Podcast. Brought to you by Go Birds Pod or GB's Pod. Let's be called here on the Counterpoint Podcast. Um, on today's show, so I've changed Jack's headlines to Jack's rundown because, you know, it's, it's this podcast is pretty much just the rambling thoughts of a diseased Eagles fan, and maybe I don't need headlines for that, so I went with Jack's rundown. Runs Jack's rundown. Um, so, I mean, I think headlines are more of an off-season thing, and we can just get into certain things, but now we got games to break down, really I mean, break down the All-22 tape, live for the All-22 tape. Um, so it's a rundown. A rundown of my rambling thoughts throughout the week. So let's get into it. Um, we're going to jump right into the gesture here, of course, like we always do to start off a podcast. Um, listen, when I woke up on Sunday morning, uh, woke up, it was cold, it was wet, it was rainy, and my first thought was Carson. Because while I was very excited that Carson was back and... I truly couldn't wait to see 11 out there again. Man, was I nervous waking up Sunday morning with how cold and wet and rainy it was. Because my first thought was his knee. And my first thought was, wow, he's going to have to... His first game back, coming off, you know, triple, basically triple knee surgery. He had the... Like, everyone keeps saying, well, it was just the ACL. Like, it was the ACL, MCL, uh, IT band, like, all this stuff. Like, it was the worst possible knee injury you could get. And just the, the thought of him coming back to a, a cold, wet, rainy uh, Lincoln Financial Field was terrifying. It was terrifying. I was 
I was not in a good place. I, I could barely even focus when I was eating my breakfast, when I was scrolling through Twitter, because I feel like I was the only one that was very concerned about Carson's knee holding up on a wet, rainy field. And trust tree, I was nervous. I was, there was a, a, a moment where I was like, just sit him. Don't play him. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want him back on this rainy field. But then our good pal, Ruben Frank, calms me down because on Carson Wentz's first day, he's cleared for 11 on 11s. Carson took the field in a, in a downpour. So he's already used to it. If the knee could hold up on the first day, why couldn't it hold up at like a month from then? So I was fine at that point, but when I when I woke up, I was immediately nervous for Carson, and I probably would have sat him. But Carson's a bigger man than me. He went out there, and boy, I just don't know how Carson once looked that healthy. I would be completely honest with you. I thought he was gonna be rusty. I thought he was gonna move around that well. I tried to block out the thought of him like never being able to to spin and scramble and make magical plays happen ever again because of the knee. Like, like I was worried about that. I was worried he would never be Carson Wentz again. And when he scrambled around, and like I mean, when he was scrambling around, I was I was almost at the verge of throwing up. Like it was terrifying. I didn't want to see that at all. I was, I was, my, my mind and my heart and my stomach was not ready for that. But Carson was ready for that. And I think what we have to learn and what we will continue to learn with Carson is like, we just have to trust the guy. We have to trust the guy no matter what, because he is a superhuman athlete, a superhuman competitor. And for as much as Nick Foles is this winner, Carson Wentz is a winner and he's competitive as a shit and I just I just love the guy. He dove on a third down in his first game back after he scrambled around and made some plays. Like he is amazing. And I think once it is all said and done, he'll go down as the most beloved Philadelphia Eagle of all time. I think right now Brian Dawkins is for I mean obviously. I think Carson Wentz is going to surpass him. And I don't think that's a take. It's just that that guy is, it's like Utley on steroids. But we have to check in on the Carson Wentz chub meter. Um, woke up, wasn't chub because it, was, it was cold and wet, and I was nervous for him. Then comes out, hands raised, hands raised to the crowd. Basically, in my mind, he was saying, allow me to reintroduce myself. Uh, it was two for those about to rock, which was a great move by them. It was pretty much him single-handedly saying I'm back uh, and that was a like a full-on chub moment now when he was this is a this is a, a tricky part for the chub meter so like the, the the chub meter is pressed all the way down just seeing Carson playing quarterback again that first drive like I mean when he drove him down the field and just a, he looked off the the safety and made a bullet pass to Dallas Goddard like breaking the chub meter the chub meter was was fully broken like it, I tweeted, good luck, NFL. I hope you had fun the first two weeks because this shit is a wrap because the sheriff's back in town. Uh, all the way down. Pressed all the way to the pedal. Uh, major shrinkage. Major. He went all the way back down to zero when he started scrambling around and was doing that crazy Carson Wentz stuff and then fired off a pass. Like, like, it was all the way down. And then once he was fine, back up to, back up to halfway. Couldn't get it back to full chub. 
Well, it got back to halfway once we saw he was okay. Like, every time Carson got hit, it was like, I got hit. And uh, I just, I, for, I am just continually, I am flabbergasted by this guy. His ability to come back in just at nine months, even though he's supposedly he's ready for the opener and all that, and be as healthy as he looked. The guy is a is a superhuman. And I just every day can't ever imagine him not being the quarterback of this football team ever again. So please, Carson, don't get hurt again. You have to be our guy forever. But man, the chub meter is all over the place. Like it was it was busting out, cracking, breaking in the first, you know, half hour. Then he starts doing crazy shit and he gets scared. Drops all the way down, but then settles right in the middle. So Carson Wentz chub meter after game one. I'll say it's right about halfway. I thought there were some throws that he missed, but but first game back, rust, and just seeing him back out there is worthy enough of the chub meter being halfway. And also, I love getting tweeted about <laughs> the chub meter. Uh, it, it makes me laugh and giggle every single time. So um, Sunday's game, really, it was all about Carson. Defense is great at home. I think what we're learning right now is that they're, they are an elite home team. Um, elite home team defense just rises to another level. And on the road, they've got to prove themselves. they got to figure out how to win games on the road. And I'm sure they will. Like, everyone's just getting healthy right now. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, everyone's freaking out about the Eagles. And like, wow, the offense doesn't look crisp. And maybe they're a bad road team and Doug and whatever. It's like, just calm down. Just calm down. We're getting everyone back healthy. Everything's going to be fine. Losing Roddy McLeod stinks because that means more Corey Graham, which I did not sign up for when I entered into the season. But they're going to be fine. Talk to me in November if, if things are still just looking okay. By that point, Carson will be fully healthy. Alshon will be fully healthy. Uh, Jay Jai hopefully can be healthier. It's all going to be okay. The trust tree is not shaken at this point. Um... Now, we have to talk about Howie Roseman because Howie is on my personal hot seat. He's been, you know, I have full confidence in Howie Roseman. I will defend Howie till uh, till death, and he has disappointed me by not trading Car- by not trading Nick Foles yet. And when Jimmy G went down, I fully expected bearded Howie to already be on the phone with John Lynch, getting a first round pick for Nick Foles or even a second round pick. Doesn't matter. And the fact that that didn't happen, the guy was already in my head, going to go into my brain for a second. I was envisioning Howie walking out to the podium, full beard, fresh off, a nice little trade with the 49ers for a second or first round pick. And to this point, Howie Roseman has severely disappointed me with his inability or unwillingness to trade. Nick Foles. He should have traded him this offseason. And guess what? He should trade him now. He should be a 49er. And Howie, listen, you have to prove that you are still cocky Howie. Because I haven't seen that man in a while. Now, I saw it on draft night. Jumping up ahead of the Dallas Cowboys and 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 taking Jordan Mulata in the seventh round. I mean, obviously, they, they traded up ahead of the, of the Cowboys to take Dallas Goddard, and then they took Drew him a lot in the seventh round. That was the last time I've seen Cocky Howie. I haven't seen the same Howie Roseman since the draft. 
He, I think he's letting his feelings get in the way of the correct football move, which was to trade Nick Foles and which is to trade Nick Foles. And I fully expect that if the 49ers play like crap this Sunday, that Nick Foles will be a 49er by Tuesday. Howie, get on it. Or else we are a full cocky Doug podcast. The Counterpoint Podcast will officially be Team Cocky Doug. It's up to you, Howie. Whatever you want to do, get it done. Also, Madden is officially banned from the podcast. Now, I think Madden is one of the worst sports games of all time. It is overrated. I don't know why anyone plays it. It is nothing like actual football. The graphics are terrible. They, They can't even get guys running styles. They can't get quarterbacks throwing styles. Madden is overrated, boring to play, and overall, a trash product. And now, for their fourth strike, they can't even get Doug Peterson's name right. If you didn't see this, uh, uh, a reader of Jimmy Kemsky tweeted him a, a video of Madden announcers calling Doug Peterson, Doug Pedersen. And once again, the disrespect for Doug Peterson continues. Not on this podcast. Not on this podcast. Because Doug Peterson, we will slam it in people's face until he gets the respect that he deserves. It is ridiculous that for a franchise that is so universally accepted as the football video game can't get the coach who won the Super Bowl's name right. It is utter trash and the Counterpoint Podcast will frankly not stand for it. So Madden, not only does your game suck, your broadcasters suck, and you can't get the Super Bowl winning head coach's name right on your game. It's really an indictment of you, Madden franchise slash EA Sports. Good day. So I'm going to start doing something. Um, During the week, I like to watch the team that is coming in and that is going to be playing the Eagles. And everyone else does all 22 breakdowns and they really nerd out on like what the Titans or whatever opponent likes to do on offense, likes to do on defense, all that fun bullshit stuff. But you know what? I'm going to give my own scouting report on said Tennessee Titans. First, their uniforms are dog shit. The Tennessee Titans will never win big in the NFL with jerseys like that. Because they are the jerseys of like travel soccer teams. That is not a football uniform. There's a lot of stuff going on. The colors don't work together at all. And frankly, they don't look like a professional football team. They look like a college football team. And it's hard to take the Tennessee Titans seriously if they have such a a, a shitty-looking uniform. The Tennessee Titans will never win a championship or win big in this league with jerseys like that because, frankly, they don't have the look of what a, a real, winning, solid, strong NFL franchise looks like. Those look like jerseys that were made to get retweets and likes and favorites. They were not made to win football games. There's a lot of stuff going on. It like it just it just felt like it feels like the Titans were trying to create a buzz, and frankly, 
They look flashy, and you can't win a championship with flashy uniforms. So I'm sorry to say it, Titans fans, if you're listening to this podcast, which I'm sure you are, you will never win a championship with those bad jerseys. Mike Vrabel, bad coach. He's a bad coach because he's too fresh out from playing football to really appreciate uh, a good coach's body. He's in just too good of a shape. He's in just too good of shape to really be taken seriously as an NFL head coach. He's running sprints during the game or before the game. Very intense. Maybe a smart guy. I think he needs to groom a little longer because he still has been playing. He was he's he's playing a couple years ago. Needs to develop a stronger gut. Uh, needs to, needs to develop stronger coaching calves. Uh, needs to crush a new wristwatch. And maybe mix in a visor. You can't take a head coach seriously without a, like a hat on. Or a visor or something. He needs something. And Vrabel doesn't really do that. So I think Vrabel's like, at this point, he's like the kind of young, hip coach that tries to relate with the players. Don't say it. Don't say it. Do they maybe fear Mike Vrabel when he gets a little too too fired up? Yeah. But he's too fresh out from playing to really be taken seriously. The Eagles will win this game because the Titans are, frankly, a joke of an organization with a joke of jerseys and a head coach that is not ready to be a head coach just yet. Other things I've seen. Derrick Henry sucks. Derrick Henry's a bad football player. He's too fat. He's too slow. And isn't good enough for the NFL. Deion Lewis, on the other hand, terrifies the shit out of me. Deion Lewis is... I wish they never let Deion Lewis go. He is so fast. He is so hard to tackle in the open field. I love Deion Lewis. Am I terrified about him on Sunday? Yes, but I would be more terrified if Michael Kendricks was still here. Like, Deion Lewis is the kind of guy that Michael Kendricks would get twisted into a pretzel trying to guard or trying to tackle in the open field. He couldn't do it. It's like theoretic on Thanksgiving three years ago. Man, think about how far we've come from Thanksgiving three years ago to now as Super Bowl champions. Um, so Derrick Henry, not scared of it all. He's not fast enough. The Eagles D-line will eat him up. Terrified of Deion Lewis in the passing game. Uh, Marcus Mariota. I remember those days too. Hashtag do the deal. Um, he's hurt. He's banged up. Also not great. Um, yeah. No. And there's a lot of a lot of things not to like with this Titans team. But I will say their defense flies to the ball. And I just feel like weird games happen in Tennessee. It has a really weird, a weird vibe to this game. I don't know what it is. I feel like it's gonna be sloppy. But I think that's how the Titans like to play, especially with Mike Vrabel a bad head coach as their head coach. Now, must win or a trap game? The official counterpoint position is that this game against the Titans is a trap game. Yes, another trap game for the Eagles. They, I'm just anticipating for some reason that the weather is going to be uh, rainy, not a great field, a slick field. Uh, and... The Eagles have Minnesota coming in here next week. They got to take a trip down to Nashville. I feel like no one's really going to be there. Like, it's not going to be that hype of a crowd. Like, the Eagles fans will be there, but it's not going to have the same kind of feel of like a big game on the road because in Tennessee or it's in Nashville and they just have absolutely no home field advantage. So it feels a little trappy. You know, they had the, the, the win against the Colts last week and Carson's first game back. A lot of emotions there. Now they got to go on the road to a Tennessee team that's fighting you know they're they're fighting they're they have a good defense but not a great home field advantage minnesota's coming in next week i don't know 
feels pretty trappy. I think that's all the makings of a trap game for the Eagles. Doesn't mean they won't win. I don't know. But if I had to pick one, trap game or a must win, we're not in must win territory just yet. Uh, but we'll, we'll stick we'll stick with the trap game for this week. All right, let's get to the counterpoint mailbag, which you can always email at counterpoint counterpoint mailbag at gmail.com. From uh, Tom Ginsburg. Hey, Jack, am I automatically DQ'd from the trust tree for living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area? I have always proudly worn Eagles gear ever since I've moved down here. I also flip the bird to the Death Star every time I drive by. So am I in or am I out? Tommy, you are, you are, just because you live in Dallas doesn't mean you can't be in the trust tree. It's just that we have to take a, a branch down to Dallas. It's a, it's a, a little far away, and, but the, the, the roots of the trust tree, they go all over the country. So just because you live in Dallas doesn't mean you can't be in the trust tree. Um, from Matthew Hadley, Hadley, um, dear Jack, long time listener of the pod and congratulations on getting married. Uh, yeah, I'm still married, so that's still going well. Uh, I, here's my problem though, is I haven't been able to watch a game in my house yet. I've had to watch the games here, or I didn't have cable the first time, so I had to watch on the road. And I haven't been able to find, I know you guys are probably waiting like last year, which it was where I had my spot early and I never moved from that spot. Well, I haven't found my spot yet. Be completely honest with you, I haven't, I haven't been able to find my spot in my new apartment yet to enjoy the Eagles. And they're still two and one without me getting in a spot. That's got to be a good sign um, for the rest of the season. Anyway, back to the, the, the mail back here. Um, I grew up in, in a Giants family being the only Eagles fan because I never believed in Eli Manning. I've always made a, made a goal of mine to bring people to the dark side of becoming diseased Eagles fans. This being said, a friend of mine wants to become an Eagles fan. Only problem is he's from Wisconsin and he has been a Green Bay Packers fan for most of his life. Now, before you make any rash decisions, I would like to point out that he owned an Eagles T.O. jersey when he was in middle school. He has also attended two Eagles games with me in, in Eagles gear and one of the games he almost got into a fight with a Giants fan. He's a very passionate football fan, and I believe he'll make a good addition to the trust tree. In addition, I had him submit a formal request in which I'll attach to this email. His only request is he, his only request is if he gets denied, he would like an explanation. Uh, okay, here it is, this text message from this Packers fan that wants to be an Eagles fan. I, Christian Keone, C-I-O-N-I, would like to request that my fandom and loyalty be as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Leaving behind the Green Bay Packers after years of frustration with the front office and lack of communication, I feel like it's in my best interest to make this move ASAP. I feel I will be a strong addition to the Eagles family. I've experienced an Eagles game in person and stood up for them in in face of fierce competition of a division rival. I hope you take this into serious consideration, and I look forward to building on this great, long tradition. This This is a tough read for me. Because on one hand, I like how passionate you are. I like that you 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 took out time to formally ask into the trust tree. Um, I don't care that you really owned an Eagles T.O. jersey in middle school. It doesn't really move the meter for me. Um, my problem is that you are from Wisconsin and you grew up a Green Bay Packers fan. Um, and the only reason you're leaving them is for years of frustration with the front office. And I feel like being an Eagles fan is kind of something you grow up with and just jumping in. Like, this is where, this is where I have my, my fear is that I've seen this too many times where people just say, Hey, I want to be an Eagles fan. And then he jumps in. And then once things get tough, then they jump out. So I'm not going to let you into the trust tree 
just yet. I, I, your, your formal request has been taken into the consideration of the trust tree. But Matthew, now this is to you, Matthew. I need you to keep us updated throughout the entire season. I will let you be an Eagles fan for this season. But if things get tough, I'm curious, Matthew, how does Christian handle it? Um, if, if you make it through this entire season and I get good reports back from Matt, we will assess at the end of the year. Unless they win the Super Bowl again, and then I will definitely not let you in because you don't get to be back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Like, that's just bullshit. Um, so we'll, it's in the process. It's like, you know, it's like it's like citizenship into the country. I'm not going to just let you in right away. There will be a grace period. I think that's fair. From Tom DeSaro. Hey, Jack. So I have never been a particularly superstitious person, but I've come to the conclusion that last week's loss was my fault. I received an Alshon Jeffrey jersey from my grandmother for Christmas this past year, but it ended up being a knockoff item from China and was delivered late, so it, I didn't get to wear it until the first playoff game against the Falcons. I've worn it since uh, while watching every game and for the parade, which was like an additional win, besides last week. I live in L.A., so 1 p.m. games happen at 10 a.m., which is too early on a Sunday, and I basically rolled out of bed to watch it. I even wore my jersey this week at a Rams-Chargers game, Chargers game and missed most of the Eagles game to drive down and pregame, but I did watch as soon as I got home. There's a six-game sample, and indications seem clear that I must wear my knockoff Alshon Jeffrey jersey for every game from now on. I hope the trust tree can ex- still accept me after causing the loss of the Bucks last week, also for going to the Chargers-Rams game instead of watching the most important game live. Thanks, Tom. Tom, do not fuck this up again, okay? What the, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know this podcast. You listen to this podcast. You're in the trust tree. You know the Alshon Jeffrey jersey has been the lucky jersey this entire season, and you just don't wear it? I, the trust tree is is upset. The trust tree is is upset at you for for jeopardizing the season, Tom. The trust tree also forgives, and don't mess that up again. <sighs> Sorry to yell at you, but I mean, you know, you know the stakes here. Anyway. From uh, Andrew Stekowitz. Hey, Jack, we are all sorry to see Jimmy G injure his ACL. What do you think was the respectful waiting period that Howie observed before calling to try to get draft pick for Foles Sunday night after the initial reports? Monday afternoon? Tuesday morning? Well, Stack, unfortunately, our GM, who is now on the counterpoint hot seat, did nothing. He has done nothing yet. So even though Jimmy G is done and the 49ers think they're going to make the playoffs this year, in the NFC West. They've done nothing. And the and the GM, who I have deemed cocky Howie, continues to sit idly by and and do nothing. From David Tomei, Jack, we often hear uh, Doug talk about offensive personality and how, especially following the Super Bowl, it was okay that Carson and Nick didn't uh, like the same plays as long as it fits our personality. First, I think it's amazing that Doug phrased it this way because he does let the personality of his offense shine. In five additional words, can you describe the Eagles' offensive and defensive personalities? For example, my answer is below. Offensive. Uh, spatial, multiple, fearless, anchored, confident. Defensive. Stubborn, swagger, dominant, intelligent, fearsome. Also, pretty sure we follow each other on Twitter, but you can find me at, at D-Tomei, D underscore Tomei, T-O-M-E-I, if not would love to interact with more of the trust tree. So follow David. I do follow David. I follow members of the trust tree. And yeah, we'll all just be one big happy community. Now, for my five words, for the offense, I have innovative, 
simplistic. And what I mean by simplistic is like it has simple things where I'm like, wow, why isn't why don't other teams do that? Just it makes a lot of sense. Like the bunch formations, which is why it's also powerful. And it's powerful in a sense that like when they when they bring in the extra linemen and all that, like it's it's just it's just unstoppable. So it can be powerful that way. It's a chameleon because it can change on a dime. It can change, it can adjust. There's always seems like there's an answer to everything. Um, it doesn't stick with one color like a chameleon does out in the wild. Um, and also, it's relentless. The Eagles offense is relentless. Their, their, their pedal is always to the metal. Even if they're not scoring like in the Colts game, the, the foot was on the pedal, the foot was on the gas, and they're relentless. And, they, and sometimes, like last year, it was like a wave. It was like a wave on top of waves of this Eagles offense that was almost unstoppable. So um, they haven't gotten to that point yet, but now they're getting healthy. I fully expect the Eagles offense to be back. Eagles defense, fast. Now this might not be a word, but I didn't, I didn't want to make it multiple words. So I chose unrunnable, which means you can't run on them which Derrick Henry will find out this week. It's homey, which means that they're really good at home. Now, they're, they got to figure out their stuff on the road, but at home, they're very, very good. I believe they're overlooked by a lot of national analysts and and a lot of this fan base. Like Week one against the Falcons and against the Colts, it was like, well, the Eagles didn't play that well. Half of the Eagles didn't play well. The other half was dominant. And much like the Eagles offense, the Eagles defense is relentless because in the fourth quarter that pass rush is very fun and Derek Barnett is finally turning into like a star uh, a star in front of our eyes from Ryan Williams Jack what are your thoughts on being booed just now at the live Ricky so the the Ricky was on uh, last Saturday and I spent six hours getting yelled at by Spike Eskin which is great so much fun um just kidding, it was a lot of fun, and it was all good. And I did deserve to be yelled at at some points. Um, I got booed, so I walked out to the stage, and I started talking to the mic, but the mic was super hot, so it acted like I was yelling at everyone. And in turn, I wasn't, and everyone just heads popped up, and they're like, oh my god. And then I just got booed. I got my ass booed. So um, I got booed with a live Ricky, which is fine. Also, I ran to someone as I was hanging out t-shirts, and the guy said, the guy said, counterpoint fucking sucks. And I couldn't tell if it was like counterpoint level sarcasm or if he was being serious. So if that was you, that said counterpoint fucking sucks because I think he was being sarcastic because he tapped me on the, or he like gave me like a, a bro pound on the shoulder. Um, but if, it, if that was you, feel free to email the counterpoint mailbag at gmail.com because I'm confused and I haven't stopped thinking about it since the incident. From David Smith. Hey, Jack, last year I bought a Carson Wentz jersey that I wore every game with the exception of the of the Chiefs game and the second Cowboys game. The Eagles were 16-1 with the Super Bowl win when I wore the jersey and 0-2 without it. Like you, I am a man of superstition, and I agree that typically new luck, like jersey spots, all that stuff, need to be reestablished each year. However, this season, while I was wearing my Ertz and Clement jerseys, to, to while I was waiting for my Ertz and Clement jerseys to arrive in the mail, I wore the same Wentz jersey for the week one win. For week two, I put my new Urch jersey on, hoping it would bring some good juju, but change into my Wentz jersey once the Bucks were up 27-7. It was too late. For week three, I wasn't messing around and returned to the Wentz jersey and that, and wa- again watched a win. I need your expert advice. Is last year's luck carrying over into this season? Do I need to wear this Wentz jersey every game until I die? 
Um, if not, when should I dare to try something else? Thank you and keep up the good work. Dave, I know that we talked about reestablishing new superstitions every single year, but much like the Eagles offense, the chameleon that it is, sometimes we got to adjust. And it seems as if the Carson Wentz jersey is very lucky for you. So while I firmly believe in starting new traditions or new spots or new jerseys, I think you need to stick with this Wentz jersey because it's special. That Wentz jersey is a is a special jersey. You got the Wentz jersey before the Wentz jersey became fraudulent and the and the and the, the jersey that the fake fans wear around. Hold on to the jersey, wear the jersey, and run it into the ground. And yes, you have to wear it until you die. And probably in your grave as well. <laughs> From John Barber. Jack, I like your thoughts on Halloween. I personally think it's underrated as it fits the fall vibe so well. That's it. Nothing about the birds this week. Peace. John Barber. Cool. So um, Halloween is a fine holiday. I've kind of been over Halloween ever since Cole Hamels got rocked against the Yankees in 2009. (laughs) I know that sounds really depressing, but it's how my brain works, so whatever. Um, I've personally been trying to lay off the candy, but it's really hard to do. And I have decided that when I own a house, I'm going to hand out full-size candy and not the cheap candy. And if you ever hand out almond bars at a house, you should be banned from celebrating Halloween. But Halloween's fine. I'm a big scary movie guy. It's fine. I don't love Halloween. I think it's fine. Um, I used to love it as a kid, just getting all the candy, but it's also probably why I'm a little bit overweight. Uh, from Tyler Bean. Hey, Jax, just curious uh, who you think is more of a lock to win this week for the Trust Tree Survivor League? Saint to Jags, Jags hosting the Jets, or our Super Bowl Eagles at, Tycon, at Titans, which I will be at. My, guts, my gut tells me the Jags, but those nine points last week scared me. Yeah, so I'm out of this. I lost this. I hope everyone's having some fun in the, in the counterpoint uh, Survivor League. I lost in week one, and I lost last week in the WIP one because of the fucking Saints, who or not the Saints, the the Vikings losing at home to the Bills, fraud team. I would say Jags Jets just because of Sam Darnold. I'm still kind of afraid of that Saints defense. Uh, I think they'll I think they'll be fine by the end of the season, but right now they're not great. I would go I would go with the Jags against the Jets just because of Darnold looks a little shook. From Andrew Johnson, uh, who do you think has the most touchdowns out of Goddard, Clement, or Ajayi? I think it's going to be Ajayi. I think he's going to be fine. I know he's got a little back issue. He's got a fracture in his back, and he's playing through it, which is crazy. But uh, I think he's going to get all the touches down there. Goddard, though, that was fun. I'm glad they finally broke out Dallas Goddard. It was like, I feel like I was like, Doug, what are you, what are you doing for the first two weeks? And now I broke, broke it out. Seven for 73 and a touchdown is what I love to see from Dallas Goddard. And it was a good adjustment by Doug Peterson. You know, He doesn't really love doing the two tight end sets, and he finally broke it out, and it works. So. From Guido Shedders. Um, Hi, Jack. As always, thanks for the show. You seemed a little less fired up last week sitting on your bed and all. You may want to switch up the spot. So I started on my bed. My back started getting hurt. Or my back was starting to hurt, and I couldn't get into the rhythm. So I did change it up, and I did start standing up. So I think the second half of the podcast went well. Uh, anyway. Also, you're an amateur. You should have been prepared to not be spoiled by the results of last week's game. Personally, I consider myself a media blockout pro. Friends know not to contact me. I unfollow anyone on Instagram who can spoil the game before the season starts um, and don't check any news, Twitter, etc. Living outside the U.S., I often have to watch the game the next day, usually after work. 
Anyway, any at Go Birds Pod plans for the London game? Keep up the good work. I don't. We were planning on going out, but I think we we just have to stick with the with the U.S. trips this year. So unfortunately, I'm not. I don't think we're going out to London. I wish we could, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going out there, unfortunately. And I agree with you. I did all that stuff, Guido, but I got an update from that that fraud website, The Athletic, um, and I forgot to turn off notifications from them. I was all good. Everything was great until I got that notification from The Athletic. I forgot to shut off one thing, which is probably on me, but still. Um, all right, let's go to Twitter. Let's see here <laughs> from Brandon Allen. Can we talk about how crazy this is? So this is a Matt Lombardo tweet, our good friend and blind Penn State homer, Matt Lombardo. Uh, a guy tweeted him, I guess, and saying that taking Saquon number two overall was, was a colossal mistake and will set the franchise back. And of course, in his blind homerism, Matt Lombardo, disagree. Hold on. Disagree. It has nothing to do with PSU. Sure. There will be an, there will be other franchise quarterbacks. I don't know if there will be an RB who can impact the game in all phases like Barkley for a very, very long time. I don't know if there's been one since Sanders. This guy is just, he is, he is unfucking believable David Johnson doesn't exist. Le'Veon Bell doesn't exist. Zeke doesn't exist. Right. It's, it's only, it's only Saquon Barkley. And I like Saquon Barkley. But like, whatever. Whatever. Um... From at Clemsadelphia. I think he's a Clemson fan. Um, who would win in a fight between Gritty and Swoop? Come on, Gritty's not a fighter. Gritty's, Gritty's, you don't want to pick on poor Gritty. Gritty's like, Gritty's like a, a, you know, I love all dogs. There are certain dogs that are like ugly, but in a cute way. Like French Bulldogs. And this is nothing against French Bulldogs or Bulldogs in general. I'm just saying that like they're ugly, but they're cute at the same time. No one wants to beat up a French Bulldog. So of course, we would beat Gritty. But I'm all in on Gritty. Um, from Juaner Gomez, what nicknames can we give Carson? I hear the sheriff, and I get it. However, I have another idea. The Soul Snatcher. Think about it. He's a ginger. He's soulless. Therefore, he has a, a desire for one. And thus, he snatches it at, from opposing defenses and defensive coordinators that he faces. I just... I am... A general principle of me. I don't like... Um, I don't like nicknames that are two words. Like the Soul Snatcher, it's like it's like the Grim Reaper. It's like they just, they they generally just don't work. So I like the one name. We can change Sheriff, but my other philosophy on nicknames is it can't be forced, and usually they're decided by the team, and the team will let us know what his nickname is. And it seems like they have picked Sheriff. And I know it's Peyton Manning, but I think Carson's better. So why not? From at the Smarty Jones, if you could straight up trade Jayla Mills for the 2011 version of Namdi Asamoah, would you? Listen, man, Jayla Mills is getting torched in this town, and I told him he can come on the trust. He can come into the trust room. We can talk about things. He's not as bad as Namdi was. I'm just saying, he's not as bad as Namdi. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. From uh, Papa Rog. Dear Jack Fritz, WIP is recently in a conundrum between rooting for the Bucks to be exposed as frauds or rooting for the Steelers to crumble before my eyes just to stick it to their fans who strut around the NFL like royalty, like the smug and bedbug in Jim's hotel room. I chose the Steelers crumbling because I can't stand that smug big brother aspect they have. Did I choose correctly? And even though they won, are we seeing the crumbling of the Steelers anyway? It certainly feels that way. It feels like every single player who's a big name star for the Steelers is just like, they're just done with it. 
And I know their culture is insane, but their culture is also built on, they didn't really have stars. Like They had a bunch of really, really solid team-oriented guys like Heinz Ward, Palomalo, Heath Miller, Big Ben. And now they got these like big superstars like AB and, and Le'Veon. And it just feels like they've gotten too big for Pittsburgh. And it feels like it's all crumbling out there, which is great. It's great to see the Steelers struggle. I also was rooting to see that fraud buck team get exposed, but I was also equally as frustrated because um, we lost to Ryan Fitzpatrick, which will will take a while to get over. But that's going to do it for the Counterpoint Mailbag. Uh, Again, always email at counterpointmailbag at gmail.com. All right, let's get to the what's the line saying. Man, I feel like you guys are starting to lose faith in what's the line saying because I've, I've been wrong. And I've been choosing the Eagles. And I got to say, I really, really love the Eagles this week. Minus four on the road against a Titans team that's won two straight and went down to Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars is way too high of a line. I thought it was going to be one. And I just feel like the big money is going to be on the Titans and the public's going to be on the Titans, but the Eagles go down there and win by a touchdown. I know what's the line saying has gotten off to a, a rocky start, but we were also so dominant last year. Eventually, since most gamblers are that are great gamblers are like fifty nine percent. I love the Eagles minus four. It, just strictly reading the line, I think it's a, like three points too high. It's saying the Eagles are basically seven points better than the Titans, which I'm not totally sure you can say at this exact moment. I think in three months or two months that'll be the case, but right now, can't say with full confidence. So. I will take the Eagles minus four and be very confident in it. Um, and that's going to do it for the Counterpoint Podcast. I will be back next week after a, a, a Eagles Cup.